0: Oh man, the um,
1: the Grizzlies should really try and go top two.
0: Yeah, Warriors are, uh, they're they're slacking.
1: And Suns do have um CP three. Yeah,
0: they don't. Yeah, they've lost two straight now. Oh, Mighty shoot. Pelicans. Um, man. what was I gonna say? I feel like I I feel like I still haven't seen like the return of Clay. You know what I mean? Mm. Like he hasn't been good for a, an extended period of time. <laughs> oh, we're going? Okay. No, no, no let's start again. I reckon right, we can use that. <laughs> Welcome, please, to the JVG Podcast, where
1: these Gs are going to spread their seeds of knowledge about the league. It's flourishing with these. These funny catchers seem to be well-read, esteemed and honest. Like the man himself, Jeff Van Gundy. They are high
0: IQ, so cerebral and funny. So if you're on the bus, just border on the dunny. Listen to the JVG NBA Tribute Show. Because... Actually, I was thinking of doing more cold opens, but not in like the um, not in like the Seinfeld or the the Deep Two sort of way. You know where they like start talking before, like you know, and the theme song plays. Um, I'm talking like uh, you know how every podcast that's just like three comedians in New York again, not Seinfeld. (laughs) (laughs) They like every episode just starts with them talking. Um, and they don't, like, say the name of the podcast, they don't say their name, so you spend, like, the first, like, three episodes trying to figure out who. <laughs> to two, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's that, that's fucking Stavros, or, you know, that's, that's Michael. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I was just thinking we could do more of those. Yeah, I like it. I mean,
1: 85 episodes in, they probably <laughs> yeah, yeah. have a good gr- grasp of who we are. I hope so, and they've all been listening for 85 episodes. Uh, is the intro, will the intro have played by this point now? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. Alright, is the episode gonna start... Like normal, like intro and then into it or cold
0: open intro? Well, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking with this one in particular, (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying a minute 45 in, uh, maybe that thing you said about the Grizz can be like before the intro and then like the next week can be after the Uh, intro. It's it's a bit of like meta-commentary on like (laughs) how we introduce the podcast. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What I'm saying.
1: Um, well, that wasn't nothing. We didn't plan for this to be part of the episode. <laughs> uh, with no no, no chat on the top end of the Western Conference. But we do have a lot of um, headlines. I feel like we made up. Yeah? Yeah. Um, or maybe just things we've noticed throughout the league that we really want to talk about. I feel like we haven't planned like five dot points um, ahead of an episode in oh, so long. Yeah, it's usually like... Two or three. Yeah. Well, and but but it's also like we should talk about this that's happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah Whereas yeah, this yeah. one, I feel like we've been like this is something I've noticed that I want to talk about. Yeah. This is this is going to be a bit of what like a concept episode or something. Yeah. yeah. Maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Um, do you have some uh, social basketball that you'd like to plug first?
1: Oh shit! So we are recording this five fifty nine p. m. Pacific time. Uh, this will be out after the Bricklayers game, so we won't be able to. Uh, give our analysis on that because it hasn't happened. But the Cheesebridge Saganakis did play on Sunday, uh, the conference finals. It was game seven. Um, and it was like, it was a pretty good game. We played against uh, Dan Fayle and company. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty good game. I feel like midway through the, the second half, the scores were like 23-20. We were a little bit up. Yeah. The whole game, we were a little bit up. They were like also chipping away at us. Um, but I felt like we were always a little bit comfortable with the lead, but not super comfortable. Mm. So, Dribbling on the right wing. Uh, two guys come up to me on the zone. <laughs> like a li- like they they, like they both half-defend me, yeah, so yeah. Like I, I, I cast my eyes elsewhere. I take a little dribble back. And then as they both back off, I pull it from like half a meter behind three-point no. line, cash. So no. it's about 26, 20 at this point. <laughs> um, next play down, I do the exact same thing on the left wing, you know, bait them in, take a little half step back, look look to the top of the key. All, all the while, I know I'm shooting this ball. <laughs> and as, so does everyone else on the court <laughs> at this stage. Uh, and then as soon as the two, except for these two defenders, <laughs> and I was like, you know, you know, like the guard on the elbow and the forward in the corner. Both half commit, but don't mm, fully commit. Yeah, yeah. Pulled it from the left ring, cash. Uh, and then I think they might have gone to man. <laughs> hashtag <laughs> Johnny Light Years, making them make, making them adjust to me. Um, and then I was like, all right, this is, this is pretty, like I kind of like this, <laughs> they're like defending me. But also <laughs> the only reason I scored both of those so easily is because I was wide open. Um, and then we went back and forth a little bit more, back and forth a little bit more. And then top of the care a little bit towards the right wing. Scores are like, I don't know. They're, they're, they're coming back to us now. We're probably out by four. Ball finds me. And that's the dagger. <laughs> Another three. After a donut in the first half. Except I did make a three after, uh, yeah. after the whistle had been blown. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty good win.
0: I feel like you haven't had a... No offense. Um, you haven't had like a Flames emoji game in a while, you know? Yeah. Like one where it's like, Damn. From what Lucas is telling me it sounds like Lucas won that game. (laughs) Um, No, no, no.
1: Definitely Harry carried. Uh, (laughs) Magan's massive on the boards. Um, Johnny, Lou, Leon all uh, put a lot of uh, pressure. Leon from behind the arc and uh, Louie and Johnny attacking the rim. Seamus in the first half because then the fucking scorer for the other team, which was the father of a 30-year-old man, Mm. uh, told him off because he was... Under the name Nick Visser, and so Seamus didn't play playing the second half. No, ridiculous. What? Yeah. How did they know he wasn't called Nick Visser? Because he knew who Nick was, but ah. also it's like, bro, God, that
0: is some rat fuckery. Yeah, like,
1: and so that's why I actually got angry, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that had to do with the made baskets or not, because I don't really get angry because I'm playing basketball.
0: <laughs> nah, you're not. You're not like a, you know. You're not like a LeBron Like you don't (laughs) (laughs) You don't get upset about something Then get better at basketball Yeah You remember Steph Curry You play with glee and I am Yeah I am Steph Yeah
1: (laughs) Um, But I want to know Like maybe I'll have to take note of it Because I don't remember Playing angry ever Mm. Um, The next time If there is a next time That I get angry Do I shoot better? Yeah, right. Okay,
0: okay. So, we've had the first...
1: Because I was fucking actually angry. And then after the game, the guy came up to talk to us and I was just like yelling back at him and I was like, oh, yeah, wow, this isn't me, but I really want to do what I'm doing right now. Yeah,
0: right. No, I like that. I think um, this year I'm really into using your car horn and yelling at people. Good on you, man. Dude, I got to
1: shout out whoever's been using their car horn lately in the northern suburbs minus Ivanhoe because... I'm just... You're beeping for two if I'm around. Because <laughs> I've noticed in the past... Let's call it 2021 and be- before. Um, drivers fucking suck in Australia. Oh, man. I think of the 10 countries, uh, subtle flex, that I've like been uh, spent enough time in to get a gauge of the driving, Australia has to have the worst by far. And I feel like it's because people drive with their ego. And... Whenever people honk their horn in Australia, it's about like, you know, get out of my lane. Where it's like, oh my god, you want to if you want someone bro if someone's merging, you're gonna be one car behind yeah. where you were. Yeah. <laughs> if it's that much of a rush, you would have left earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um But I feel like every other country, if someone beeps, it's like, okay, someone's made a mistake. Mm. Or oh, like there's just like like Thailand. There's six people there's six cars wide on a four lane highway. And you just got to hope there's not like a big truck Because otherwise they, they regulate themselves
0: quite yeah. quite. No, quite no, simply. you're beeping to be like, hey, I'm here Or yeah. like, hey, watch, watch it here yeah, Which is like, yeah. exactly as you should use your voice in real life You're like, hey, dude, don't tread on me
1: mm, Yeah <laughs> um, So yeah, shout out to the, the, to the honkers of early 2022 I heard I was in the car with uh, you when you did a honk And it was completely warranted I mean, <laughs> we could have crashed so.
0: Yeah um, we were picking up. Uh, me and a uh, friend of the housemate of the pod, Ned, were picking up other housemate of the pod, Bo, <laughs> 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 just out the front of uh, where we're recording the pod right now, <laughs> podcast room of the podcast. Um, and Ned's Ned's in his uh, his glitzy new uh, Volkswagen Polo, mm. and you know, unlike his old Volvo, he's been a little bit precious about it. He wouldn't mind me <laughs> saying that. Um, and you know, Bo's Bo's like out on High Street, and we're coming from the other direction. So I just like lean over and like honk Ned's horn, <laughs> to get Bo's attention. Yeah. He's like, "What are you doing? What, are you, what are you like? Don't go honking and honk. Like that's what it's there for. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's there in the middle of the steering wheel for, for getting people's attention. <laughs> I think like a short, short, sharp honk when your friend's waiting on the street for you. That that's that's the perfect purpose. For the horn I, I would take the use further As you said You know mm. To like actually be like Hey Stop being a fucking dickhead Mm-mm. And like Obey the road rules Yeah Um, And yeah I think on that note uh, Australians Not only are they the, I don't think they're the worst drivers But I think they combine All of the worst aspects of driving mm. Like they're technically Probably better drivers Than like Say Italians Like I'm convinced You don't have to Sit for your license in Italy Like They, <laughs> they just put them on a scooter At 12 years old And hope that they figure out the rest Mm. Um, but there, right, like, if you almost get into a crash with someone, everyone, like, yells at each other, and then they, like, kind of laugh it off. It's like, yeah, it's just driving, man. It's not that serious. Um, whereas in Australia, like, when you get into road rage, it's like, this is everything for, for these people. Yeah. When someone's yelling at you on the road, it's like, they could fucking kill you. And I, I, I won't tell this story on the pod, because it's probably waffled on for long time. <laughs> But I do know someone who... Uh, was shot to death in a road rage incident. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh
1: wow. How do you go? Where do we go from here? Maybe I should tell the story. Then.
0: Um, you know someone personally? No. Yeah. Like so, a family friend of ours. He was like, he's one of the one like a very a very testy driver, I suppose. Um, and one of those people that like, I suppose, if he was wronged, he wanted to like make it clear to the person, like, hey, you did the wrong thing there. I'd like mm. you to apologize for it. So he gets into like. Some, some guy almost, uh, like clips him, um, driving somewhere and like, this is a stupid thing to do. He followed him, uh, back to his house to like have a word with him. This guy's like the son of some fucking mafia like guy and he's, you know, high on whatever paranoid that someone's following him so he goes into it goes into his house and like the guy goes to knock on the front door and he just fucking shoots him oh my god <laughs> yeah because he thought
1: he's been tailed yeah
0: he thought he was being followed by like you know someone trying to put a hit on him or something like that oh my god so tragic but like it's also like i feel like it's that attitude people have towards driving mm, manifesting yeah. like that yeah. Yeah. yeah that is so horrible that yeah. is horrifying yeah um, well, like, rest in peace I said I wouldn't tell the story then. You did, you did tell it I went, I went right ahead, I, I, I think you guys should hear that it's, it's one of my better ones Well, since we're on the topic Um, I feel like
1: I feel like, uh It's actually, it's actually not that good of a gradient But it's back to car honking Right, yeah um, Any, any, uh Any avenue out of that conversation gonna be a little bit awkward But, um I really, my, my biggest urge to honk on the road is like, as soon as the light turns green. <laughs> yeah. Because if I'm first in line, I'm hitting 60 as soon as possible. Yeah. And then I might slow down to 40 if it's a 40 zone. <laughs> but we did stop at red. Yeah. We've already done stop. Yeah. That's what red meant. <laughs> green doesn't mean stop. Or else we would have learned that green means stop. Green yeah. means go.
0: We did stop at red. Now we do go at green. <laughs> I think i I, so i've got two i've got two opinions about this (laughs) i i hate it when i get honked for not going immediately (laughs) which is very rarely but also fuck god i'm just i'm really bearing it all today um one time i was in like awful traffic on alexandria parade and you know that like right turn onto nicholson street that Mm. just takes like six hours or something like that um you know may have been sitting there may have just like open my phone to look at the basketball scores may have got gotten honked because the, the light had been green for about 10 seconds before <laughs> i went nobody got around until, not on that light. oh day. my god did you <laughs> no not even me
1: oh, oh my god nah good yeah. to bear it all yeah good to bear it all yeah were you so checking the basketball scores i was you checking the basketball scores. all right so it's a little bit in this space it's don't,
0: a- don't take some drive <laughs> <laughs> don't check the scores and drive but, well you weren't driving you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It takes a big person to admit their mistakes in that situation. Yeah. And yeah, I was very grateful for that honk because I was like, wow, I really, I I would have kept looking at it until Mm. the light went green for a second time. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah. uh, Seinfeld definitely made a bit about this, but there needs to be like a throat clear option as well. Yeah. Or like a, a, you know, that's like, there's maybe, maybe the big, like the big honk is reserved for like, oh shit, I've got to do this. Like I've got to alert someone right now, slam the middle of the steering wheel, but maybe they just need a little button that's like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So... Really, what you're saying is we need more bells and whistles in these cars. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That is like a, yeah, it's like a clown car, you know? Like, you pull on, it, it goes like, and then mm. like, bing, mm. bing. Mm. Um, cool. Well, I'm glad we established that.
1: Well, speaking about <laughs> running like a well, well-oiled well machine, have you watched the Boston
0: Celtics lately? I, I have. I've watched a bit. I haven't um, I haven't watched since we last spoke about them, actually, um, saying, I want to watch more Boston games. <laughs> it's only been two, three days of games, so, mm. you know, sue me. Um, but they're, they're looking like a completely different team. I think with very little personnel change. Um, yeah. What have you noticed from them recently?
1: Uh, I watched the, I don't know if they've had a third game, but I've watched them against the Pacers, uh, the Nets and then the Pacers, mm-hmm. um, watching, uh, the game with the Nets. I always fall into watching the Nets offense, no matter who's in or out. And like the, that's just the perspective I'll take on the game. Mm. And then like halfway through the first quarter, I was like, no, wait, this this is a Simmonsless, um, KDless, potentially Kyrie less. It might have been in uh, Brooklyn. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, uh, team. Uh, so now i start watching the Celtics offensively. And this is like halfway through the first quarter, and then we got to the end of the first quarter and I was like, What's happening? Like, why am I not having fun <laughs> watching this game? Second quarter, I just started watching the game from the perspective of the Celtics defense, yeah. and it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was textbook, dude. They they were like five fingers on a glove. Um, I feel like uh, they were getting criticized for like not playing any serious teams, but like to just go on and I think they are on a nine game win streak or they were nine and one in their last ten. To do that in the league, like to just have that consistency, mm. why would you hold that against the team? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. They 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 won they won those games. Like don't discredit them for what they did.
0: Yeah, and looked really good doing it as well. I think um, I don't think like I don't think the Boston offense has really changed much in like the last four years. Mm. You know, like uh, while the Jays are there, like it, it is it's going to revolve around them. And firstly, I'd like to say I'm becoming less of the opinion that you just need to shake things up when they're not working <laughs> i think i think i said at some point earlier this season like just trade one of them like it's not working mm. whatever but ime udoka is obviously like you know been like really stuck by how he wants this team to play and i think the adjustments have all been on the defensive end and it's just paid dividends like across the board you know um robert williams is just uh looking fucking incredible I think he's really gotten like not very good one-on-one defenders playing good you know defense mm. which i i think is just so much more valuable than like having one good on-ball defender mm. if that makes sense um and i'm interested to see how Derek white fits in and maybe like just provides the offense with a bit more flexibility a bit a bit less like shrewder schruderism as well <laughs> Um yeah, but I I do think they are still not a very entertaining team to watch on offense. Like mm. there's not a lot of shooting outside of the Jays. Mm. Um, and I think that will sort of be when it comes you know like what happens what happens when they when they're both sitting, you know? Mm. What happens to the offense?
1: Yeah, I um watching the pa- watching them against the Pacers today. Uh I feel like I've I've been pretty critical of Jason Tatum but I feel like in his early career, he's never, like end of the game, I don't think he's ever given anyone a reason to doubt his ability or his approach. He's very confident. He looks, his body language is really good. Um, And he looks like a leader, but today he really looked like bad. Mm. He looked bad at the end of the game. He looked like no, no composure, no leadership. And it was, it went through the rest of the team. And this might just be one blip. He had a bad day, whatever. But I think that that is a little bit of cause for concern because, like, something that you could never criticize him for—he didn't look like, like, he didn't look like that person at all mm. at the end of that game. And then also, the Celtics looked like they were trying to make up the twelve-point deficit on every possession. Yeah. Um, it didn't help that the Pacers just ran this unbelievable offense at the end of the game. I think Sticks hit two. Sticks hit two back-to-back threes down the stretch. Uh, Halliburton. Hit like a sweeping Mm. Sort of like skyhook right hand layup And I mean we're all Halliburton fans But no one hits that (laughs) Um, And and the paces Like a lot of things were going right for the paces But I just feel like The Celtics play themselves out of their own game And like I mean Like the the first um, Hint of them crumbling over this like 12 game stretch They're just going to be as catastrophic as possible I don't like that
0: yeah and i I feel like that's been their main problem the last two seasons is like yeah like when they're down they look like they're just rushing the game mm. um and it's strange because I think the difficult thing is you you've obviously like committed to Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum in particular as your leader right and he's you know 17 years old or whatever <laughs> but I think to be serious it, despite him being so young he's been in the league for ages and mm. he's played so many games of basketball and he's been to the playoffs so many times he's made like he's been in deep playoff runs so this guy really should be you know your secure leader um and able to i guess like get a bit more out of teams your team in that situation like steady the ship mm. something i don't want to make the pelicans comparison too early but like something that i've really been impressed with CJ um since we traded for him is like although Ingram kind of had taken on some of those leadership qualities it's just nothing compared to having like a thirty-year-old, eleven-season mm. vet on your team. You know, like CJ. Just when everyone else is freaking out, he's just cool as a cucumber. And I think I think Boston could uh, do with someone like that. But they don't really. They can't really bring someone in like that. Mm. You know, like uh, if Jason Tatum is going to be the leader of this team, then he has to be that guy. And but I think I think what you're saying is true. Like in late game, he's shown that like. He can be composed But if that's the way That they play You know Like maybe it is Maybe it does come down To having quite a young Roster as well And that's actually Something that I thought Of today um,
1: Like if they had A Larry on the team Or yeah. something To play like The role he had In uh, Toronto um, With Kawhi Like Kawhi Being Tatum being Kawhi In this scenario yeah, yeah, And then yeah. Lowry being Lowry because he's Lowry uh, Is Marcus Smart That guy? I don't know I don't know I think that I, I, I love just taking a stance, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like we, there hasn't been like this, con, ah I, every, I don't know is the simple answer. <laughs> because every situation they're in, every late game situation they're in seems to be different. Yeah. Every season seems to be different. Yeah, yeah. So there's no like track record. It, it's all, there's no way to standardize it. There's no yeah. way to standardize what they've done the past few years before, uh, after they stopped being like uh, perennial conference finalists, slash, getting eliminated by LeBron, that team. <laughs> yeah, there's, I feel like I feel like they've um yeah, there's
0: no way to standardize it for the fourth yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Smart's an interesting one. Like I think he, I think he's got that like I don't want to say clutch gene, but like he he'll he'll play well in the fourth quarter mm. when Tatum will play well. But his leadership on that team is so weird. You know, mm. like all that stuff earlier this year. Uh, you know all those comments he was making like two weeks into the season um, about you know everyone be, him being upset about his role but and every well he was talking about everyone being upset about their role but he was really talking about him being upset about his role <laughs> yeah yeah um, so it's you know it's not like this the kind of rugged uh, slightly older role player who's like the definitive leader of the team because he's kind of pushing back and forth yeah um, with the like actual stars of the team Yeah. Um, and just yeah, I mean that Kyle Lowry comparison, like he's just nowhere near as good as Kyle. Lowry, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Like Lowry is really he is just his entire career just sat just below all star. Yeah, um, and just been such such like a game changer on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I I don't know I don't know how you solve that problem for Boston. And I mean, if it I think it does come down to was that game against the Pacers was that an aberration was that like all oh, the Pacers got away with it and then they yeah. didn't know what to do um, or is it like something that's going to show when they're in the playoffs yeah um, and
1: I think that they just showed some like uh, they showed like a, a chink in the armor yeah right that um, whatever those five Eastern teams that we named as potential coming <laughs> yeah. out of the East last week that I just feel like they don't show yeah like right. they they got out of playing and. Celtics basketball whereas Mm. I feel like Philly the Bulls the Bucks the uh, 70 uh Did you just get attacked by a fly? Yeah I don't know what that was (laughs) I mean I didn't know what that was now I know it's a fly I also lost my track but you know the
0: five things we're talking about The fly put you off so much you said Philly twice (laughs) That was the highlight for me Philly fly stakes Um No yeah I know exactly what you're saying and and, yeah, like, you know, you, you can't look at... You, you. Also, you can't look at, like, say, the recent Nets and be like, oh, this could happen in the playoffs mm. because it's not going to yeah. when Kevin Durant is back. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, we're looking at, like, a full-strength Boston team mm. right now. Like, this... And, and, yeah, they are. They're playing their best basketball. But, yeah, if that's the chink in their armor, then that's the chink in their armor. Hey, at what you've done, eh? Do you like hearing the down-low on all your NBA and basketball content? Hey, at Will Conkin on Instagram and Twitter, don't you mean the low-down on NBA and basketball content? No, I mean the down-low, because that's our show. The down-low, where we give you the lowdown on everything NBA. Check out the down-low NBA on all your podcasting platforms, like Spotify, Apple, or even Google Podcasts. Google has podcasts?
1: Yeah, I didn't even know that either. But... Now you know, so go and get it in your ears. Speaking of KD, I'm gonna be such a big fan of his for the rest of his career. I was thinking about this a couple days. Ah, I was watching Bucks Nets yesterday. Mm. Great game, but I was thinking about how it would look if KD was out there. And I've always liked watching him play. I hated when he went to Golden State, but I never hated the player he is. He's just so pure. Mm. He is so good And he is so pure And I'm gonna While he's around I'm gonna watch so much more of him And just watch him Which I Which I have been doing But like Like think about LeBron haters (laughs) Imagine if you spent your career Not liking him Like if you spent 18 years 19 years Looking for Looking for faults In this faultless guy Like imagine if you weren't A Steph fan Yeah Yeah (laughs) Like, if you just missed out on that stuff. I feel like I've never really had, like, a moment of fandom with KD since I was, like, 12. Mm. So I didn't really know what I was watching. But now it's, like... There's, like, an appreciation that I have for, like, yeah, Steph and his run uh, with the, uh, like, mid-2010s. And then, st- I mean, still. LeBron for
0: the past however long. Um,
1: Yeah, shout-out KD.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that point about... uh how pure his game is. Like every, every Kevin Durant possession is like flawless. Almost, you <laughs> yeah. Know? Like there are LeBron possessions where he really is just like forcing his way out of the basket or he does some like funny little fadeaway and you're like, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit iffy, whatever. Whereas mm. Kevin Durant, everything's textbook. Yeah. Every, every, every jumper is like just picture perfect. His footwork is just always completely perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, when he, when he decides to bully his way in, it's just like, It's surreal because he looks like fucking three matchsticks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I I feel like he was... Like, when he came back, I was like, it's incredible that I didn't get to see this guy play basketball and I feel really grateful to see him play. You know, having a season without Kevin Durant made the season with Kevin Durant so much more meaningful. Mm.
1: And I think actually another thing um, that helped that was the Harden trade. I feel like... Kyrie, Harden, KD always just seemed a little bit bullshit. But now that Harden's on the 76ers and Simo's on the Nets, it feels like less of a big three because mm-hmm. Harden, Kyrie, and KD do just have that like complete offensive game to them. Whereas Simmons, we all know his fault. Um, and I feel like the yeah the the Nets getting now just having two of those guys. I mean, like, just it, would, <laughs> it seems <to> a <laughs> kill to have one of them. They only have two. Yeah. Um, makes me like them a little bit more. Yeah. Um,
0: But the bloody Philly side of that. Yeah, I was going to say, good segue. Don't say good
1: segue.
0: (laughs) Just Just make the segue. Yeah, I stopped at the green light. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I guess to make the segue. (laughs) When Harden and KD were playing together, like, don't get me wrong, it was great. But they're not like, they're not like archetypal typically suited for each other you know they're two just like fuck off great offensive yeah. players one of them is just like an insane playmaker the other one is just like the most efficient scorer um whereas Harden and Embiid are like a match made in absolute heaven mm. uh and watching watching these first two games I, it's like if they're playing this well two <laughs> games into playing together I cannot imagine mm. what it's going to be like when they have like Half a season of chemistry. Yeah. Because um, in that first game, Embiid didn't even know what to do with all the space. He had. <laughs> <laughs> like, Harden was creating all this space. I can't remember. There was one possession where, um, you know, like, they weren't doubling Harden, but were, like right up on him. And then Embiid was like sort of, you know, uh, baseline. Um, and he got the ball and he was open. Like, he could have just taken an open mm. mid range jumper. But like, he just stopped and let the defender come to him and then, yeah. like, you know, posted him up, faced him up, did whatever. When Once Embiid figures out that, like, no, you can shoot the ball. There. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't have to work for that shot. That's, like, an open shot that James Harden has provided you. Um, it's going to be insane. I think... Um, let's get your thoughts on it, but just very quickly, I think it's an indictment on the fact that Simmons and Embiid never were a good fit for each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe their game against the Knicks uh, showed Embiid using that yeah. yeah yeah um a little bit today. I love that people like Embiid needs the ball. He's a post player. He doesn't play in the pick and roll. It's like, bro, <laughs> he can any big guy can play in the pick and roll give me the 30 point game per game guy, the the front runner for MVP. You mean he can't set a screen and roll to the basket? (laughs) Like we're talking about... I can do that. I can't do anything else afterwards, but I can do that. If I was Harden's pick and roll partner, I might get a couple of (laughs) lobs. But like, uh, yeah, they're just like, oh, this is how Harden plays. Embiid, you're going to have like 10 plays where you might actually get 20 points off of them or Harden's going to hit a shooter or get his own shot. Yeah. and then we'll still do the stuff we've been doing with you for the past few years. Before I gush a bit more about them, I thought Maxi had this, like, empty calorie scoring about his game, and that feels really unfair. Yeah. Because they were winning games, like, uh, pre-trade. They were winning games, and he was looking really good in wins, but there was just still this, like, um, you know, do whatever you want while Embiid's on the bench. Mm. Um, He is, like... The perfect third guy For if you have Two superstars on your team Because mm. he's remained aggressive Um <clears throat> I saw this one play I'm sure they'll run it to death But Harden, Embiid Pick and roll Two shooters on one side And then Maxi in the corner On the other Yeah Pick and roll was defended Phenomenally Harden kicks it out to Maxi In the corner three And Maxi will just make The right decision He'll mm. either take the shot Or attack the closeout Um Um and they're going to be such a problem. And uh, great, another great move by Maury saying there's no way Maxi's going to be in this deal. Yeah. I didn't foresee this at all. Like, I didn't foresee this from him at all.
0: Not at all. And I think it's a testament that, like, not only has he remained good, but he's gotten better. It's, mm. it's not that his game was relying on like the usage that not having another point guard on the team was sort of like freeing up for him Mm. like well he's had like 25 in both of the games Mm. with Harden (laughs) (laughs) like um I mean he's not going to keep that up but he he has proven that like not only was that all real what was happening before the Harden trade but that like it's sustainable when you have you know let's be honest like Harden does need the ball a lot (laughs) <laughs> um, like there's not There's not going to be A lot of uh, You know maxie point guard action um, mm. Going forward um, And yeah I'm just so happy Tobias Harris Isn't the third best player On that team Isn't that, like, isn't that crazy <laughs> Maybe Maybe I think best Isn't the wrong, right word But like I'm glad that they Don't have to rely on him For the third most Amount of scoring
1: Yeah uh, I feel like Two game sample size <laughs> Harden is completely bought in straight away and it feels like Philly is a really well-run team. Mm. Because Maury is the GM yeah. and he does his job.
0: Yeah, Doc's the coach and he does his job. But and the players do their job. You, like, you just say those two names it's like prestige, you know, leadership and team organisation. Maury and Maury Doc. Maury and Doc, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Um, on the last four-man week plus Marco when we rung you in on the landline, <laughs> um, Aless was talking about how it must be an impossibly hard job to be a GM in the league. And... I reckon there's um there's like five GMs that you know by name. Yeah. And they're the ones that always win the trades.
0: No, but but like everyone knows David Griffin by name. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like the top and bottom of the ladder. Effect. Yeah, right, like, right, right. You know, the best GMs and the worst GMs. The horseshoe theory. <laughs> yeah, the horseshoe theory. And, theory. and things of that nature. Um, uh, what was I going to say? It could be
1: anything. We were talking about the the seventy-sixes
0: um yeah nah they're gonna be really good <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i there was like i don't know that i guess media members job is to make storylines <laughs> but no i we had no hesitation
0: to harden and Embiid. like you yeah. put
1: them on the court together they're just gonna be fine <laughs> they're gonna be so fine
0: i and i think i think if you <laughs> listen to anyone like you know every basketball podcast had a the Harden Simmons trade reaction. Yeah. And I think anyone that was worth like any salt with anyone who was even more than like a six out of ten pundit was like, Yeah, this is a great trade for everyone. <laughs> yeah. I think any doubt was just like completely formulated um over the idea that Harden I think it's basically just that Harden's a difficult player. You know? Yeah. Um and that he'd be unfit and now that's what we were discussing. How does he lose all that weight? <laughs> If he keeps fucking around like this, he doesn't have to. Yeah. Like, but like he actually went from quite unfit to triple double. Yeah, know, in about two weeks. Yeah, but he's played in this shape before, yeah, and he's that's always true. been that's huge. A good point. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't think it. it um, is it an issue? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah.
0: If he's playing like this, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh.
0: Well, next team. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, should we should we do some? Okay, I wanna I wanna open this segment. Uh, has player empowerment gone too far? Okay, now this I like because
1: oh we could have done such a good segue. Oh,
0: uh, yeah, true.
1: Oh, ch- <laughs> uh, sorry, what Hart- do you feel about James Harden? Yeah, and Harden
0: Air Force to trade as soon as he was trade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> player empowerment. <laughs> uh, stop it, at Green. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we're often. Absolute champions of player empowerment, mm. and I think, I think uh, ideologically, I still am. I think it's so much better that you know players are more in control of the league and their destiny and how they play than like money. That's that's the simple part of it for me. But we have just seen, uh, well, one player kick up a hissy fit for an entire season, and another player just decided he was going to be really bad for about three weeks, <laughs> um, and both of them get. Exactly what they wanted from yeah. it, um, you know. These guys getting paid like fucking eighty million dollars between them, or something like that. Mm. Um, and that's a bit disheartening in one way. I think that it's like, oh, okay, so you can just you can just throw a bit of a fit, and the legal sort of have to do what you want. And we're sort of seeing two other stories develop here. Um, LeBron during All Star Weekend. He had some pretty choice things to say about the Polinka front office. Um, and, you know, he was praising Sam Presty. He was like, oh, yeah, I'll go play with my son whenever he gets drafted. Basically, you know, confirmed that, like, he's probably not going to stay in the Lakers beyond this deal. Um, and then Rich Rich Paul had the, um, the audacity, I might say, <laughs> very rich <laughs> of him, to come out and, you know, be like, no, 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 no. We're not kicking up a fuss. There's no issue between us and the front office. Uh, and he said, I just don't think, uh, communicating that way is the right way of doing business. And I don't think that's who we are, who LeBron is. Oh my (laughs) God. That's like how you built your agency empire is through doing business. That exact underhanded, like, you know, push front offices to the brink, uh, refuse to play basketball, um, kind of basically like bully people into doing what you want because you have some of the biggest names behind you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> bro. If you got Tristan Tom's like 17 million dollars a year, <laughs>
1: shut up! <laughs> <laughs> like, shut up! Yeah, um, I'm with you. I'm, yeah, I'm still you know pro player empowerment. I think that Harden and Simo had a pretty mutual bene- mutually beneficial yeah. scenario where I think the league is better off for it. Um, if if LeBron is going to play with his son. It was in my best interest for the Lakers to trade LeBron and in LeBron's. But now it might be in the Lakers' best interest as well. Mm. Because now they know it's, what, a season and a half left or maybe two and a half seasons left. I can't remember which draft Bronny's in. But you've got to be realistic with this team because they're not going to win a ring in the next couple of years. And you know LeBron is leaving at that time. Maybe it's time to gear up for the post-LeBron era now. Mm. And maybe it's time to make the post-LeBron era now. Well, mm. not you know now at the end of the season, uh, um, because this this I feel like now now the Lakers yeah because now the Lakers know they're going that, that LeBron's going he's lost some power yeah and they might be happy to have headaches and headlines for the next two years if they know that when he's gone <laughs> unless they draft Bronny but when he's gone they can
0: build this team around AD.
1: Or maybe not even A D at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the tricky thing is I think like I think all the big pieces in LA are like posing one problem or another at the moment. Like obviously Russell Westbrook is like the most immediate on court issue for them. But but just like you said, like is if LeBron's gonna leave, then how do you get anything, any value for him? And then like, is A D who has spent a lot of the last two seasons really injured? And not really proven that... Not really proven that he's that effective without LeBron as well. Like, mm. don't get me wrong. AD, uh, as much shit as we talk on him, he is a superstar. Mm. You know, like, he could he could easily... He could easily go for, like, a Defensive Player of the Year, you know, type season. Mm. Um, but okay. is, it, is that going to be sustainable? Like, is bringing in... What, young players? You're always going to be, attract, be able to attract free agents to LA. Like, Is that, is that actually going to be a winning team with, with AD at its core?
1: Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, with the state of the league right now, no. Yeah. Because there are so many worthy teams of this year's ring. Mm. And the Lakers are like, there's like the tier of teams that are, the tier of teams below them. And the Lakers are not in either of those yeah. two tier, tiers right now. And, so, th- so it's, yeah, it's quite an uphill thing. And,
0: sorry, but, like, cunt. We, uh, we discussed this when we were talking about the MVP race. Like, we've got three teams that are going to be locked up as better than... I reckon better than a team built around AD for, like, the next six years. Like, the Nuggets, the 76ers, and the Bucks have these, like, unreal big men who are all 27 years old <laughs> and not going anywhere. Yeah. So, like barring a catastrophic injury to one of those guys none of those none of those pieces are moving out of the way Mm. um so yeah then it's like i mean yeah then it's like is it yeah is it worth just like a second round exit with ad for five six years or something like that you know (laughs) no
1: that's not something you can really market yeah especially for such a you know storied team
0: Mm. Um, oh god, yeah, and I always forget. Like they actually just went straight from Kobe to LeBron. Like, yeah, what was there one season? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so like you can't you can't really go into a rebuild as the Lakers, you know. Yeah, in, in that sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. Was it was there any other players uh, that made you think about player empowerment?
0: Oh well, uh, the elephant in the room, of course. <laughs> the elephant, the elephant in every room he goes into. <laughs> um. So this broke, I think, just. Uh, when we did our last episode about a week ago uh, that Zion Williamson didn't get in contact with CJ McCollum when he was traded to the Belicans um, which was a better I mean you know me being a glass half full kind of guy these days. Um, other days, not so much. Um, I was like, okay, that's pretty bad. <laughs> um, but uh, JJ, JJ looking for the ESPN contract, Reddick, um, <laughs> absolutely tore into him um, on ESPN saying, uh, there's a general decorum of behavior you should apply as a teammate. This just shows a complete lack of investment in the team, organization, city. As his teammate, I can describe him as a detached teammate. And like, you know, he said when Zion was a rookie, he'd say that he needed to change his attitude, that he needed to like commit more to staying in shape and injury rehab and stuff like that, which I'm gonna take with a grain of salt. Um, <laughs> Cause I don't know, JJ's just pissing me off his day. <laughs> a bit homerish of me maybe. Um, and yeah, CJ came out a bit later and was just basically like, you know, leave the young fella alone. He said, he's trying to rehab, you know, when you're in that injury mindset, um, you know, you're trying to focus on that whether or not he is actually trying to focus on that, then yeah. maybe it's not a terrible thing that he didn't text CJ. they have since reached out. CJ's like, again, such a high-character guy. I'm just going to talk to him every week, see where his head is at, let him know where my head's at, let him know how the team's going, mm. um, which I don't think is something that our, the Pelicans organization was really doing. Um, uh, so, mm-hmm. so, again, digressing a bit here, but CJ, I think, is just really bringing another level of leadership. He had dinner... With Brandon Ingram and Willie Green, I think really like got Brandon Ingram on on his side before the uh, when we beat the Suns. So I think I think he'll be able to like I don't think I think he'll be able to like coax Zion into a relationship. But that's a bit of a digression. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's going on here? Like Zion is obviously very reluctant to play in New Orleans when he comes back from injury probably part of the reason his rehab is taking so long is because he doesn't want to play here this guy's like you know he's not even at the end of his rookie deal he's not even eligible for his rookie extension yet yeah is this just way too early for a guy who's played you know what a hundred and something nba games to be wanting out of a team
1: yes definitely (laughs) i do want to speak on the cj thing though and the jj thing uh I, I i am so ready to eat what uh, eat crow yeah. about cj McCollum. because he has been so good for you guys he is like you've got like direction yeah and he has just been incredible and he has been playing probably to what he believes to be his potential which I never saw um i didn't like i didn't buy it um with him i remember he was talking uh going into last season i'm pretty sure 2020 2021 season. That he was like, I'm ready um, this season. Like, um, I think that we can make a lot of noise with the Blazers. I'm finally settled as a person. I just got married. Like, he's like, he was like completely um, like settled in life, and he was like feeling really great. He was looking good, and then he got injured, and I feel like this is now Mm. this is where he wanted to be at the start of that season, and now he's like not only like part of the leadership team, but is the leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really happy for him and I'm happy for you because you, 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 you guys are fun to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, just that like, and there's, yeah, that steady figure on the court and off the court. Um, and like, what a great response Yeah, to all the noise about him. Contract year JJ. <laughs> I am a fan, man. He is, he is so good on TV. I feel like, I feel like ESPN have this like rolling, uh, cast of just nobodies yeah. and like ex-players that just don't work on TV and JJ has just been so good like yeah. I feel like his presence on like not only on podcasts and in audio but in like on TV as well Um,
0: I, I think it's funny the the ESPN voice you uses when he's on ESPN. So you hear him on the JJ podcast. And he's like, yeah, Hey, like, whoa, whatever. And then he's like, it's like, he's doing a Stephen A impression. When he's on ESPN and he's a bit heated about something, but like, I, I think you're generally right. Like he actually, he actually knows so much more about basketball than so many other analysts. Um, he has great relationships with people all over the league. Um, and yeah, I think he's not—he's re- not afraid to tell it out, tell it like it is. Yeah, like, he's like—he's—he's probably burnt a bridge with his former te- teammate Zion Williamson, who you know, best case scenario goes on to be <laughs> the biggest star in the league. <laughs> <laughs> you can like never talk to again on camera. Yeah. Um, but you know, if if you're like if you're really firm in your belief and knowledge about stuff like that, then yeah, go for it. I just don't like it because, uh. He just loves trashing the pelicans. Yeah.
1: No, that's fair. Um yeah, I think Zion has it is very early. And I think that uh he was he was the he was just absolutely the most important person in New Orleans. And and maybe the situation is gonna pass him. Yeah. Um And then maybe this could be one of those things where like it's addition by subtraction for both parties. Because I feel like you're going to get a good package for Zion if you do yeah, trade him. If you true. don't trade him, I think that that uh, Ingram CJ Ingram and CJ are just such good pieces next to him. Um, I think that's just such a logical basketball fit, mm-hmm. and I think that he would have fun playing with them. So I think you might be in a bit of a win-win
0: situation here. Okay, I'm I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, can I um. I, I, haven't, I haven't talked about like the Pelicans actually playing basketball a whole lot. I think I had a little bit two episodes ago. But I think this is a good segue. Because I think... <laughs> we are just full of good segues. <laughs> I think Zion would play so well the way we're playing right now. After the CJ trade happened... I'm not sure if I said it on air or if I just thought it in my head. Um, but when I was thinking of our best lineup, I was like... Oh, it's CJ, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones... Valentunas and Zion like we're playing Brandon Ingram at the two <laughs> um, and I was just like oh, there's no we can't do that like you know uh, we can't have we can't have a 6'8 lanky guy who can't defend uh, playing playing in the playing in the backcourt against you know uh, some of the best guards in the west when we played the Suns a couple of days ago and beat them pretty resoundingly we started with CJ, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Jackson Hayes, and Jonas, Jonas Valanciunas. Jackson Hayes got two fouls within like three minutes, so Tony Snell came, came on. <laughs> and my God, we, I've never watched us defend so well. I think almost in my entire Pelicans <laughs> just It was that sort of just chuck four long-armed, lanky guys out uh. on the court, um, you know, just switch switch every single possession. Uh, whenever Devin Booker got a switch that he, did, that he liked, we'd have, like, Herb Jones on him. Um, and whenever he'd get switched off him, we'd just double him straight away. Yeah. And it would just break down the Suns' offense so, so quickly. Like, Aiton got a couple easy buckets because obviously, like, Valanchunas isn't going to be able to defend him one-on-one. Um, but they were just struggling so much to get a perimeter shot. They were struggling so much to, like, penetrate. Um, and it just meant we didn't... Like, Devontae Graham didn't have to be defending someone on there. <laughs> um, and I think I, I think we should Like just keep running That lineup going forward If you take Jackson Hayes out And put Zion Williamson in Like Jackson Hayes isn't a better Perimeter or Maybe a slightly better Interior defender than Zion mm. um, At least I think Zion's got the better skills For sure But Jackson Hayes Actually goes up for blocks <laughs> um, And it just Yeah it just reminded me of like I think there is a very Slowly emerging Trend of like medium big sized teams you know like mm. how the raptors have been playing with like fred van vliet and then their four yeah their fours six nine wings or even even how the Cavs have been playing you know like uh with their three seven footers isaac okoro who i think is like what six five yeah i think six five or four. and then you know darius garland is the only like non-wing or big size player on the yep. floor um and yeah, I just, I think, I think just as we sort of settled into small ball, it's like we're already pivoting yeah. away from it. And I, I mean, I think that's just how the league goes. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Jackson Hayes, 30
1: minutes today. How many fouls? Uh, five? Zero. Really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. But like Jackson Hayes straight up had 11 points. Yeah. Imagine if that Zion,
0: yeah. that's like. 111 points Yeah Like him Playing in that position Whenever he's had a good game It's just He's missed like one shot (laughs) Yeah (laughs) Um And so yeah If you're gonna have Zion Who is already The most efficient room scorer In the league In that spot Um Yeah It's I think our offense Could just be off Off the chain But I think I'm really glad That we've like You know Found a way That Herb Jones Can fit into the starting lineup When Zion comes back If that makes sense Yeah Definitely
1: Uh And yeah, you guys do have a blueprint and like your ID is starting to take complexion. Mm. And if that is, I mean, it seems to be really successful to have Mm. like the play initiator and the guard, the short guy, and then the the four switchable wings. And I mean, you guys are probably going to get your asses handed to you when you play the Warriors. (laughs) Steph's just going to shoot over it and they'll they'll just have something up their sleeve. But you're going to, you're playing Pelicans basketball Mm. and the first 50 games this season was sh- so shit. It was so so bad. Um, but you guys, are, yeah, you're looking like there's a lot more professionalism about yeah. the team right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm really, I'm really impressed with Willie Green as a coach now. Yeah, like, I think yeah. he's such a good man manager. He's got that Monty Williams like um, aura of like control or something about him. Like mm. he he's he seems. He seems always on good terms with all of his players, even when they've, like, fucked up or something like that. I think it's not that, like, sort of coaching where, like, if someone's bad, you, like, berate them. Yeah. Um, And he's just made some, like, really... I think he's just made some really smart coaching decisions, which I don't think he really had an opportunity to at the beginning of the season, because it was, like, Mm. our roster's terrible, Zion is out, Ingram was out for long stretches, and, like, he didn't know anyone. Mm. Um, So I think now that we're, like, settled... He doesn't have to play Garrett Temple anymore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I think he's really showing that like he's a solid young coach, and he's going to grow with the team. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, good,
1: good. uh, Definitely had to make note of him because I feel like his coaching has come through as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: TheDeep2.com is your one-stop shop for everything NBA-related. Want weekly in-depth articles tackling some of the NBA's biggest issues and juiciest storylines? We've got you covered. Want a podcast that brings a fresh perspective to the league's current events? We've got you covered. We're like The Ringer, only less problematic. So for anything and everything NBA, head to TheDeep2.com and yes, it really is that simple.
1: Well, Well, Speaking of coaching... Yeah... (laughs) I got a little bit. It's not really a fully devil's advocate take, but it is a it is a pro Tibbs take, oh God. and I do I, I do a little bit believe it. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean by saying um, not fully devil's advocate yeah, I, because I, I, I do I a little you. bit believe it. So the Knicks have been just an absolute dumpster fire for a decade now, since Melo left, um, and before that they were shit as well. And last year they were really good, and I reckon they were no matter how well Randall played. I wanted RJ and IQ and the rest of the roster I couldn't care less about, including Randall. Um, And I think that that's still the case this year. It's still like uh, RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly would be the only two players I would want to add to my team. And the rest of the team is actually pretty shit. And although I think they need a coach that has a five-year plan, I think they're playing as well as they could. Right. I see where you're going with Cause it. Because this team... Who do you want from the team? Tell me a Nicky that you want not named RJ Barrett or Emmanuel Quickly. Jesus. Like Mitchell Robinson? I, you got Jackson Hayes. Yeah. Like, no joke.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, you're completely correct. Yeah. I don't think there's a single roster there. Yeah, I and want. I think
1: that Tibbs is a bad coach. Mm. I think that he's a bad coach and this fit was good for the first season. Um, but moving forward, it doesn't make sense. But... But what do you do with this roster? What do you do on the like what do you tell these players to do?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think my only my only counter that would be like Emmanuel quickly's playing less minutes than he was last year, averaging less points. Um, and that's that's like that's a coaching problem. Mm. You know? If you're not good and you don't have good players, then play like your young guy with some pot- potential, you know? Don't insist on like Fournier putting up empty bu- like empty buckets every yeah. night, just being an absolute liability on on D. Um, and I also and I, I think like all right so yes rosters a dumpster fire Tibbs has them playing as well as they are let's like take that what's he gonna do next year though yeah <laughs> you know yeah
1: yeah that's yeah that's that's the that's the other Tibbs point which is like you know what does tomorrow look like what yeah. does tomorrow look like like oh we gotta take one game at a time absolutely not <laughs> you absolutely are not supposed to do that with this with this rotation yeah yeah um you know yeah take the risk bleed the young guy. Whatever, but he's got them playing to win, and they're not built. I feel like they may- maybe this is reading a bit too into it, and maybe this is a bit pro-tipsy. But they're not really, I feel like building bad habits. Whereas, like like take the Blazers right now, for example. Like, what are they doing? Mm. <laughs> like the mm. players
0: right now are just like
1: flopping fill- around, filling yeah. time. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I'd, 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 I think you have to look... I think if you just look at how the Knicks are playing and that's how most people are looking at it. And that's honestly probably how the front office is looking at it. You know, like they didn't hire Tibbs to like build a five-year team, right? Yeah. They hired him because they wanted him to get the team playing right straight away. Wait. Or they're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't think any competent basketball, um, you know executive would hire tom thibodeau being like oh this is like this is to build a culture it's like Mm. no we'll give him we'll give him players that he needs to win basketball games um and i but and i think i think that's how a lot of people are looking at it but the way i am looking at it is what what is what is going on here long term yeah yeah and and i think it's just absolutely uh, you know Co- oh, I'm seeing Emmanuel quickly had 21 points today. This is, <laughs> this is the first Emmanuel quickly game I've noticed in quite a while. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I think if there's no direction, then like you do have to change the coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But then what does that coach do? Like, yeah. You, you need a... <laughs> this is my point. This is my point.
1: <laughs> this is my point. Although I'm not like fully pro tips, I'm not fully anti tips. Yeah, yeah. And what the fuck do
0: you do with this team? The dumpster fire is more the Knicks than the, than tips. Yeah definitely the the Tibbs Knicks um (laughs) if you will like I don't know how you shed any of these players yeah um you know like nobody's gonna want Fournier. they they couldn't get rid of Kemba Walker um Julius Randle is about to become one of the worst contracts in the league yeah (laughs) um nobody nobody even nobody even took um Mitch Robinson at the deadline like I thought he was gonna be you know someone take a bit of a flyer on him as you're 24 minute a night center. Yeah. Um. And now he's just, I, he's just gonna walk in free agency. I think. Yeah. Um. So yeah. What, what the fuck do you do? Yeah. And that's yeah That's kind of the genesis Of my point It's like what's the What's the alternative Yeah And okay. what does it look like I, I actually com- I completely accept that Sick. <laughs> awesome Let's go Tibbs But also like Fuck man They just traded for Cam Reddish And he's played like Two games or something See that's the anti-Tibbs The anti-Tibbs comes you keep, in You keep getting me over the Keep getting me over the line And then I'm like Oh no it's orange I gotta
1: pull it back. <laughs> um, Yeah how do we keep up This 25 and 36 record <laughs>
0: yeah. Let's not try the new Young kid out <laughs> Um, anything else you wanted to add about basketball or anything like that?
1: Uh, no, is that everything we hit?
0: Yeah, I think those were our five big points.
1: Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, not really. It's pretty
0: sick of watching the Wizards. Should <laughs> <laughs> we talk about the Wizards? No, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. We'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the JVG NBA Tribune Show, hosted by Marco Holden-Jeffrey and Lucas Petridis. Our theme song is written and performed by Pascal Bucat. Production by Mock B. Follow us on Instagram at JVGNBA Tribute Show and on Twitter at JVGNBA for more NBA content. The NBA Tribute Show. New episodes every
1: Wednesday at 7 a.m.